Welcome to All of You with Madeleine Munro, a space where we explore vulnerable conversations and topics centered around a trauma-informed approach to healing and growth, where we welcome all that we are exactly as we are. Hi, loved ones. Welcome to episode 14 of the All of You podcast with me, Madeleine Munro. So here we are at the end of January. Yeah, I'm still hibernating quite a bit, to be honest, even though it is hot where I am and it is really hot in Bali right now. I'm just still feeling in, yeah, quite a wintering period, but taking things slow, resting, really honoring my body's needs. And that feels really important right now. And I'm excited to share with you an offering I have created just for you next Sunday, the 5th of February. It's going to be awesome. And I'm so excited for this because it's designed to really tailor to one of the common issues I see in dating. So it's called Becoming the One. And this is because I often meet people and these clients come and they're seeking for the one or the person outside of themselves to fix something. You know, when we hear the phrase like, oh, my other half or something, you know, this correlation to like, oh, I need someone else to be whole and seeking comfort outside of ourselves in the form of another person. And so when we come into dating with this kind of energy for seeking perhaps even a bit of desperation or real yearning for someone, then it can really hinder our dating process because perhaps we won't be so aware of the red flags that are there because the rose in the glasses will be much bigger because we're just so desperate to be in a relationship with someone. And perhaps we don't know what we're really looking for, but we just want the partnership rather than the actual co-creation of a partnership. And perhaps we find ourselves settling for less than we really want because it feels easier to be in a relationship than it does to be alone. Or perhaps we don't have the full embodiment of secure attachment within our systems. So we don't have the self-worth and the safety and the nervous system regulation to really date from this grounded place. We can get swept up in the arousal and the hormones of early sexual chemistry, which often burns out. So if you recognize any of these patterns, this workshop is for you. And if you want to raise your self-worth in dating, which I feel like we can always do, this workshop is for you. It's on Sunday the 5th for those in the UK and Bali and Australia. And it's on Saturday the 4th for those in America. The link will be in the show notes and the replay will be available. I can't wait to see you there. And today's episode, we have a darling friend, Stephanie Dickinson, on. And I'm really excited for this episode because I really appreciate Stephanie as a friend and a person. And I really appreciate her attunement, her awareness of relational dynamics, which often people don't pick up on. These real subtle pieces that may play out and the real nuance. She has such care and diligence around groups and relationships and intimacy. So I feel like this is going to be such a gift for you. And we talk about, you know, from heartbreak, up-leveling in relationships, relationship check-ins, all of these really important pieces. And if you are listening to this and you're moving from heartbreak and you're wanting to up-level your relationships or call in the right relationship, but you don't know what it feels like, because this is what I often see with people is that 
We're calling in a relationship that we've never had before. So we don't quite know what to look for, how to create this, how to manifest this. And then when it comes, we might not be able to know how to nurture and sustain it and grow it because we haven't had it before. Then heal with love is for you. Oh, it's been so beautiful to see the gorgeous women that have joined already. I am so excited. These women that are in this group are just so sweet and wise and inspirational. I'm already blown away by them. And if you want to join us, we are starting on February the 12th for eight weeks of this group program where we are going to really understand your dating patterns, heal and rewire your nervous system to create secure attachment, raise your self-worth, give you the sex education you never had you know where do we learn about sex and intimacy and really get clear what we like and what we don't like so that we don't settle for less in dating and really allow ourselves to have this co-regulation and this experience of secure attachment with each other in a group space is why I love group spaces and why they can be such a catalyst for growth especially when we're looking at dating and intimacy so it's going to be a really gorgeous, empowering eight-week program that is just going to be life-changing. And it's been so sweet to even hear the feedback from the women that are already in, that I've given some journal prompts to, or that have had their calls already, and just hear the impact of how incredible this work is already landing. Because I really feel that each relationship, each date we go on, is a chance to fall in love with ourselves more deeply. It's, it's a chance to learn, grow, and heal. And when we approach dating in this way, it is transformational. It is life-changing. So join us through the link in the show notes. And I can't wait to see you. I think we just have a handful of spaces left now. So if this is calling for you, join sooner than later because these spaces are getting filled up. And I only work with intimate groups in this way because if we're learning about relationships I really want to give each person in the group tailored bespoke coaching rather than speaking to really large groups where you can get lost and not really understand your patterns or perhaps project your experience onto the teachings and not really know what's meant for you or not it really allows an intimate setting so that you get to make the most of these eight weeks and let it soak in your system and really bring feedback or growth or triggers or wounds that are there and have the space to heal and grow in the sessions that we have so if one of these spaces is yours then sign up this week Hi, Stephanie. I am so grateful that you are joining me today for our conversation. This feels really special because when I was tuning into guests and the podcast and the feel of what I really love about the field of relationships, I thought about you. And something that I really appreciate about you is you've really been an embodiment of what you teach. And knowing that and feeling that and feeling the times when I've brought you vulnerable pieces or I've like shared truths or fears with you and how you've held that. And so I just thought I can't wait to share how you communicate and how you move through relationships with more people because it feels like something I've learned so much from. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I feel really touched. I have a big smile on my face for those who can't see it. Yeah, I'm really feeling that in my heart. Thank you. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. I'm really happy to be here and to have this conversation with you and talk about this. And it just feels really good to know that you see me that way and that you've had that experience with me. And I also feel similarly with you. 
So it just feels like this two-way street, like this really beautiful mutual experience that we've had where we learn and share together. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. Well, thank you. And so, yeah, I met you probably a couple of years ago that we start to become closer. And then recently I saw that you shared an authentic relating post, I think from 2018. And so I would love to know more about your journey of how you became this person that really manages to curate really loving, healthy relationships and your journey to this place. (laughs) Well, I will say that my journey with this, when it comes to relationships, really started back when I was 23 years old. I actually was a bartender back then. And I just had an experience where I knew I needed to do some inner work. So I saved my bartending money, my tips, and I paid for a really great therapist who was very expensive, but I was like, I can't can't afford that many sessions, but I'm going to go because I just know I need this kind of support. I done my research on her. So anyway, I was showing up there because I didn't come from a background where I had good relationships. I mean, yeah, there were some around me, but predominantly I saw a lot of what I didn't want Mm -hmm. and things that felt really bad. And I just knew, even when I was a kid, like, I don't want to repeat this. I don't want this for me. So by the time I was 23, I'd had enough experience where I could really see, like, okay, I'm not repeating the patterns that I saw with particular people or with my family. I'm not repeating those, but I also kind of need a little more help and guidance. So my first step was to see the therapist. And luckily, she helped me a lot and she gave me a lot of homework. So I did a ton of reading. And I did a lot of exploration on my own between sessions. And that was massive. So that was kind of my first step in really taking the ownership of like, there are skills I can learn, there are ways I can learn to better relate to people for myself, but also to have like better relationships than what I'm used to. And I wanted that for me. So that was the first step. And then if I fast forward a bit, I ended up moving abroad in my mid 20s. And during that time, I got even more into yoga. I'd already been into it, but I got even more into yoga and meditation. I was meditating at least twice a day um, before and after work and, you know, journaling and all kinds of things. And so I was doing a lot of self work, inner work. That was amazing. And then at one point I visited Bali and I actually did a yoga teacher training there and I ended up moving there. And while I was there, it really clicked with me because it was such a community that I was a part of. And that was such a huge part of living was community. And it really hit me where I'm like, wow, I've done so much personal work, inner work, just with me, like mindfulness, meditation, the yoga path. And I'm doing that. But it's, you know, part of yoga was even like yoga off the mat. It's not just about like, for me, it's me with the world, me with people. So I really started branching and taking my practices and putting it into the community and into my relationships. And I just started talking to people about it. And I didn't know what the word was for it, but I think it probably was some kind of synonym to conscious relating. And so just like with my groups of friends who were quite eclectic, I would bring them together and we'd play games like hot seat or things like this that someone had heard of. And So it was sort of like bubbling up and I didn't know about men and women's circles at that time, but it was sort of like an organic experience of that happening. And then shortly after all this, 
had been going on, I'd say within that year that I was sort of doing this at my house and for fun, a friend came to me and said, there's something called authentic relating. And there's a company that's here in Bali and the founders just arrived and you have to do the training. It's meant for you. It's what you're already doing. You've got to do it. And I was like, sign me up. I'm in. And I went and I've never stopped. And so I've been with the company since that was early 2018, like at the beginning of the year. So I've been with them for five years now. And I did all the training way back then. They were just figuring it all out, but I absolutely loved it. It was triggering a spark sometimes. Some parts I absolutely hated. There were parts of even how they taught that I hated, but I could feel how good it was to be doing this in a container, in a group setting and with my community. And so I started offering workshops shortly after I started assisting with the teachings and with the trainings. And I've been facilitating on my own as a lead for quite a few years now, too. So that's how I got into this work. But I won't go on too much longer because I know this is such a long answer. No, I love this. Please. <laughs> I, um, at some point, as much as I love working with them, it's, it's something I do, but it has its limits. You know, I love their company for the most part. I do love what they offer. They do have great tools, but I really was sometimes hitting some walls and the limitations. So I kind of have modified what I do and what I offer. I do include what I've experienced with them and those practices, but I really like to bring in a lot more of my own tools from my own toolbox over all these years and decades that I've been doing this kind of thing. So yeah, that's a little bit of like what got me into it and almost to where I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Thank you so much for yeah sharing this part of your journey. Celebrating like wow, you got into it so young, and that awareness at twenty three of like oh things could be different, things could be better. Like initiation she had, like to to not do something. Yeah. And your dedication all these years to like keep doing it, the commitment to keep showing up for the work. And you shared something around the trainings because they could be super triggering or they could be triggering. And I would love to know what are the main triggers that you've been working through in relationships that show up for you? Like in personal, like romantic relationships or familial or yeah. relationships within like the trainings because there's so awesome. <laughs> <All> um, <laughs> Yeah, as what feels most pertinent for you because I feel like Something that's not spoken about enough is that we all have our own triggers and relationships are inherently triggering because we're attached to another human being who we have no control over, who we love and like have bonding with. So just this awareness of like understanding our triggers in order to help us have happier relationships. And so I'd love to know what are the main, perhaps they're the similar ones that show up for you or perhaps it's just different ones and in different settings, different triggers show up if you feel open to sharing. Yeah, I actually love this question. And it reminds me of a quote or variation of a quote that I really love, which is if you don't address your limiting beliefs, your romantic relationships will. And I've always loved that quote for such a long time because I'm like, it's so true. <laughs> it's like, if I don't take care of this, my partner is going to be poking at this wound. Ideally, think of it as like my responsibility to nurture and heal that part of myself so that I'm not as hurt or triggered by my partner. But with that being said, I will share some of my triggers. So I have had the experience 
And this isn't current in this exact moment, but I'll kind of talk about like, let's say recent years. I have found that, you know, if I'm with a different partner, I will have different triggers come up. And it's kind of blown me away. I was actually just thinking about this earlier where I'm like thinking of one of my previous partners, maybe going back to, maybe it's like three years ago now. I was thinking about my relationship with him and it was so triggering for me. And (laughs) and then my partner more recently, there is absolutely none of the same triggers. Like none of them overlapped. And I'm like, it kind of blows my mind because I think sometimes when we talk about something getting us activated, we think, oh, it's always going to be the same or, oh, I have X, Y, you know, X or Z attachment style. And so therefore I'm going to get triggered in these same ways all the time by people, but I haven't found that. So I would say previously, a few years ago, the wounds that got triggered for me were like, oh, that was an interesting one. I felt like it started with him coming on really strong and me kind of needing to be the one to pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. And so if we're talking like attachment style wording, he was more like an anxious type. Mm-hmm. And then I therefore kind of went into a, an avoidant. And then very suddenly it switched and he became very avoidant. And I didn't become too anxious because at that point I was like, I'm not really sure if this is the right match. And so I was more trying to just be like, is there something worth salvaging? Should we work through this? But it did bring up some concerns and fears where I just thought, can I trust what someone says? Mm-hmm. Can I trust the words? And it really got to me in a way where I was like, actions speak louder than words for me and consistency. You know, he's great on paper, but when push came to shove, he wasn't any of those things that he said he was good at or that he would be for me. That was really painful for me. And it did bring up like this confusion. And I guess what some people might describe as like a rejection or an abandonment wound. It's like, oh, I thought I could trust this person. And I, you know, but then I found out he was lying about several things. And it just felt really painful. And then it just started questioning, Mm -hmm. you know, can I really trust what someone says? And then felt the pain of like the shock of like, He's not who I thought he was, and it's over. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like a a really jarring experience, and so much to process in that of the shock trauma of the this isn't what I thought it was. This person, the actions don't meet the words, and then the retrospective of like grieving the past of what the attachment that was built, the relationship you thought it was, and the future that you'd have with someone before the trust was broken. That's it. Sounds like a yeah. Really- yeah, big experience to go through. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely nailed it. And when you were talking just now about like grieving the future of what could have been, that was a big piece because he had promised a lot of things. You know, he would talk a lot about us getting married and him taking me away around the world on trips and what are the house that he wanted us to build together and where we would live and our kids. Like he was future tripping really very early on. And so there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk and I guess kind of like ideas and promises and it's like, wow, none of that is anywhere near happening, you know? And then it was just like totally done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty shocking. Oh, wow. Well, I'm so sorry you had that experience. I feel like that it's interesting because I've gone through something similar uh, recently where like the, the jarring nature of it, of like, and the trust and the self-trust that can be broken of like, I trusted this person. And 
if I'm hearing you correctly, this kind of happened at a period when you'd already done a lot of work. Yeah. And already had that awareness. Yeah. 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 That's why it was extra surprising because previous to him, I had actually taken quite a bit of time off dating because I had had one really bad relationship and I just naturally wanted to go inward and I just continued doing all the things that nurtured me and getting support. I had a coach, I had a therapist, I was, you know, I do this kind of work. So I'm in containers and like I have support systems and networks, you know, through authentic relating and other conscious relating groups. And yeah, it just kind of blew me away where I'm like, wait, if I can have this happen, who else is experiencing this even after they do the inner work? It just, you know, I think sometimes there's an idea like, oh, if I do these things, then the bad things will never happen to me or something, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 and I'm I'm smiling because I think that's a realization I've had in the last couple of years that we can do all the work and and everything and then shit still hits the fan and it's like yeah oh. like it's actually not going to stop life happening it can still happen and yeah. I move through that which it sounds like you did move through that I did yeah I absolutely did and it didn't take me very long to move through that and really come out the other side where I felt complete with that relationship and also complete with things that would feel or look similar to that relationship Mm -hmm. I was like oh I'm not going to repeat this pattern and I and I didn't and I noticed then after that I attracted really different kinds of men in kind of every way and then so my next relationship which is up to like present like current times was so completely different and you know to go off what you just said about you know when shit hits the fan and like thinking that you know in the past like oh that won't happen if I do all this work well I found like with the more recent relationship that even when shit hit the fan it never felt threatening mm-hmm. or I just never felt like I got shook the way I did before yeah. Even when stuff would come up and part of that was he's a very different kind of man. So even though we're both very fiery and passionate, the thing is I could trust it because he would speak to me about things. We could talk through it. You know, it wasn't like he'd say one thing and do another. It was like, he's going to tell me the stuff even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel like, yeah, even though this is a challenging conversation, at least we're having it because I trust myself to have tough conversations because I'm like that's something I'm good at that's something I definitely have had so much practice in and I teach it too so it's like I've got that and it feels good to have a partner who has the willingness to go there with me and and does it even when it's tough it's been like yeah it's okay if shit hits the fan it's like how do I handle myself and how do we in the relationship handle it together and that's what really matters you know Mm, absolutely like we can't stop the shit hitting the fan we can't stop our triggers coming up we can like notice them and they'll become less and yeah. heal somatically so hopefully they won't exactly be yeah okay so this is so beautiful I have a couple of questions that are coming because this was like such a rich learning experience one that I feel like actually a lot of women go through yeah and, and so it feels like the first pieces how did you trust again after being hurt so like badly your trust being broken with someone it sounds like that love bombing and the promising and like Mm. the rug thing just being pulled underneath you how was that process of learning to like trust love again let's say like if we're talking about it consciously and cognitively I really quickly I mean within a week or two weeks was able to really separate him from other men where I was Mm. like okay that's 
who he is and how he is. And then, but I also know that there's plenty of other amazing men around me in my community or in the dating pool or friends of mine, people like Matt. So I know I could like separate it. So I didn't just like, you know, paint with broad strokes, like, oh, all men are that way. I have to totally protect myself from all guys now. Mm. So I didn't go there. Cause I know that sometimes we want to protect. Yeah. We put up the walls, but I was like, I know I'm safe and I know I can trust myself and I will attract and be with different people. And I didn't immediately date. I was around men and I had men interested in me. So it felt like that was like kind of a nice way to ease into it Mm -hmm. and to actually show me, oh, hey, look, I'm right. There are good quality and attractive men around me that I could date if I want to when I'm ready. So it was just that felt like a nice thing. So that was kind of on like the the surface level. And then beneath that, what helped me switch over and kind of move through that, like you mentioned a second ago, is like somatic work. So just being with myself as those like old memories came up and I would feel those sensations of like constriction and tightening and the fear in my racing heart and like, oh my gosh, ah, all of that kind of anxious energy that would bubble up in different ways for me. I could pause and I could really self-soothe and Mm -hmm. I could nurture myself and just love up on myself to really heal those wounds and just love me. And as I did that, it just became much less frequent and less intense in terms of like those reactions just bubbling up sometimes out of nowhere and to the point where even if I, let's say my ex actually, he did reach out to me, I got to a point where I just didn't even let it, it didn't, it didn't affect me anymore. It was just like, nope, I'm not going to even go there with him. That's not my reality. I've healed and I will continue to take care of myself. But now it was like, I've pivoted. And I am only saturating myself and really flooding myself with what I want for me. And Mm. that does not include him or those kinds of behaviors or communication like that or anything. So it was like, Mm. yeah, really drawing a line and just being like, nope, to all that. And then yes, to everything that is good for me and right for me. And just getting kind of stronger with that what might've been more of a preference before, but really making it more of a boundary and not as like a hard ass, not as a weapon, but really as like, that's what's going to protect me. Is Mm -hmm. me really holding my boundaries like that. Like say no to him. Nope. You can't talk to me like that. Stop messaging me and holding it. And then being open to other people who fit the criteria and like the resonance is there with them. The trust I know could be there and allowing them in. So it's not like just walling off totally. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm like smiling and I'm not along so much here because this feels like such an empowering journey of healing. And I'm really sat here like, oh my gosh, yes. The way that, you know, if we talk about the protection where we want to wall everyone, there was like no blame or stereotyping of men, just noticing the behavior, the preferences that were shown in a certain person and like seeing those as warning signs of like what you do not want to accept in future like hearing you raise your self-worth and somatically tend to like any wounds that would have brought you like to the lower self-worth that could have been more activated but you want to turn back to like those breadcrumbs of like oh there is a bit of affection or there is like love there and like that turning away towards your future it's like fuck yes yes I just got goosebumps as you said that 
And you reminded me, it's like the way you phrased that was so good. It was like, you're right. When he was messaging me, it got to a point where he was just like, I really miss you. And like, you know, I think that you're so amazing. It was all this like loving affection. And I was just like, no, I told you, do not message me. Just shut it down. Because it's like, no, that would feed a very unworthy experience in myself and my system. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I am so done with that. Never again. Never again. Never again. Even in a moment, it could have been tempting. It never was with him. But I can understand how for maybe some other women, it could be more tempting. But it was like, like you said, turning toward my future. And it was like turning toward like a, a deeper truth. It was like deep in me, I just know. I deserve more than this. Even if I've had him or people in my past, including my own family when I was being raised mm. and growing up, show me things that made me feel like, oh, I'm not worth much. It was like something deep inside me always knew, nope, fuck them. <laughs> fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm not taking that on. That is not my problem. Those are not my beliefs. I am not nope, 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 not anymore. Nope, I'm done with that. And it was like, just coming back to like, you know what, deep down, I know I'm worthy. And deep down, I know I'm going to get what I want. And maybe my path has looked a little bit like, you know, here and there, and it's not just a straight line. And that's okay. And it's just like sticking to it. And like, just coming back to that knowing, and like, kind of being diligent about it in a way, like, even when the temptation comes up, it's like, wait a minute, is this really serving me? Is this healthy and good for me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like there's so much wisdom here. And just providing that acknowledgement for you said, oh, I don't know if it's been a straight line. And I just feel like, who has had a straight line? Like, right. a straight line of like A to Z and just be like, oh, that's it. So like really celebrating all the pivots. And here, I feel like what you beautifully encapsulated is like heartbreak or like you haven't named it as a rock bottom, but these challenges are, it can actually be the best thing that happens for us. And the initiation, like really alchemizing the experience, because actually it sounds like through this, your self-worth just skyrocketed up. You became diligent mm. with what you wanted, even though you hadn't experienced this. And this is something that the women that I work with can struggle with. So I'd love to know more about how you work through this of holding the vision and the embodied vibration of high self-worth and how we deserve to be treated, even though we might not have experienced it physically mm -hmm. yet. Yes. Oh my God. I love that you asked this. And I'm like, mm, sitting up straighter as you ask it, because you're right. This is really important. Like I know I'm not alone in this journey mm -hmm. and, and the feelings inside, the sensations inside that come with it. I like, I know how shitty it can feel when you are in a belief or a feeling state of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't get what I want. Why does it happen for everyone else and not me? Like I've lived that. I know what that feels like. And I, I don't want that for other people. And I don't want it for myself either. Mm -hmm. What's really helped me was like, I created a separation from this. I was like, you know what? I know that I was conditioned early on in my childhood to, I'm just going to summarize it as to believe I'm not worthy. I was shown that in a lot of experiences from my caregivers, like including my parents, family members, that's like, I must not be worth much. I must not be very important. I must not be very worthy. And that really got in there. So those are my foundational beliefs. But even when I was a kid and as I grew up, it didn't sit totally right with me. And so as an adult, I, I'm a conscious being, I can make my own choices and I can say, you know what? 
you know what? I was programmed with those things really early on, but no, that's actually wrong. And those people were in their own pile of shit (laughs) or their own hardships to create those big messes, which led to those beliefs and those conditions that I took on. So it was really me just looking back and kind of even telling my past self, hey, I know that a lot of your life, you felt like you weren't worthy and you have good reason to feel that because of what you were shown and what you had to go through. Those experiences were really hard. And it was kind of talking to my younger child self or teenage self. And it just kind of like, almost like being a mentor to her. So a lot of that internal dialogue has really helped me like going inward and talking to my past selves and just letting them know, hey, I know that really hurt and it was wrong and not okay. And it actually isn't true about you. Those are other people's issues that you took on. Maybe they were projected on you, but it's not actually true. Mm -hmm. And then I would then go into the next step of really reminding myself of the bigger, the deeper truth. And sometimes I'd have to write it down on paper, like my journal and just like look at it. And like, that's why I get how some people, including myself, really like affirmations, because it can just be like this little mantra in my head where I'm like, okay, right now I might be really triggered or right now I might be feeling really bad about myself, but I know I'm worthy. Yes. Okay. I might be doubting it right now, but deep down, I actually am worthy. Yeah, that is true. Okay. Maybe right now I'm not sure totally. But deep down, I know I'm worthy. I can believe in that. Yes. And it was like, just, I kept realigning to that kind of belief. And like I said, sometimes I had to write it out and almost like convince myself of it. Mm -hmm. And it became more familiar to me. And then I noticed more people around me, my friends, my sisters, my community, more and more people, including partners, men, they were starting to reflect that back to me. And then I'm like, oh yeah, see, I am worthy. It was like a feedback loop. Mm. And then I would just let that build and build and keep going with that until it just became a more predominant experience for me to think and feel I am enough, I am worthy. I still have days or moments, not whole days now, but I do have moments where I'll come up and I'll be like, ooh, there's that really deep wound right there. I am feeling, it's like an unworthiness feeling. Oh, okay. And I'll just like love on myself like really like send myself some love and then remind myself you know what yeah I do know I'm so I'm so great I'm so worthy I'm so loved and it's really quick that it will just click back into place for me now and then I'll be like oh of course of course I am and then it's a much faster experience but I just kind of took my time as needed when it would bubble up in me to be with myself through experience that experience and I also have had support in it too, which I know, you know, personally, yeah, I'm definitely one to promote getting support, having Mm -hmm. someone to lean into, whether that's a coach or a therapist or some kind of support group, but to have someone or some group that I know I can go to and not have to just be self-leading through healing, but I can just kind of surrender and be like, okay, Can you guide me right now? Can you hold me right now? Can you back me right now? And let myself receive that, which was really important for me to also get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is such an essential part of the journey to be held in it and the reprogram that takes place when someone's with us in our messiest moments and how that can also feed the high self-worth of like, oh, I'm lovable even when I'm on the floor and I I don't know my left and my right. 
Exactly. And that's the thing is like, sometimes I know people will, you know, do a lot of reading and self-study and they'll be alone in their healing journey. But the thing is, most of our wounds, you know, let's call them negative beliefs, Mm -hmm. come from a relational experience. In my experience, and also I've read a lot of research on this too, but like the best, most effective healing and like transitioning out of that can be through a relational field. So that's either with one other person or with a group where you're in relationship being guided through. I think there is a naturally healing quality that comes up, whether it's like two or more people are together. It can't really exist if it's just me by myself in my room at home alone or something, especially when it comes to self-worth. I think getting outside reminders that tell you, hey, you matter to me. I see you. I hear you. I've got you. I'm with you in this. That can really like, oh, just fill. I know for me, just like fill up my heart and remind me that like, okay, I'm going to get through this. I do matter. People do love me. I'm going to be okay. Like it really, really helped me. Mm. Oh, wow. I love this. because I feel like this really tends to the importance of healing our relational wounds through relationship. And it can feel easier to withdraw or like not trust people when we've been hurt. We don't have the worth online, but actually a lot of that healing is done through our attachment, you know, there's attachment wounds and then attachment healing. Exactly. Totally. And to actually bring it back to the example I gave when I had gone through that relationship a few years ago, one thing that was really different was as I was coming out of it and healing, a lot of that, I was doing it relationally. So I was talking to my therapist. I was also in, I can't remember what, but some kind of coaching container or something. I would make a point to call a girlfriend or a sister friend and let her in on my experience, which before in my previous breakup, I never did that. I didn't do that. It was very rare for me to like ask for help or to say, Hey, I'm having a really tough time. Can you just like have a call with me? Or I would just love, you know, if you could send me some love, I wouldn't do that. I was just, yeah, like kind of isolated and alone in it. And this was a turning point where I'm like, oh, I will make a point to tell at least one person anytime I'm starting to really drop down and kind of hit a low and just let people in. And I also got back into actually during this time, I was leading men and women's circles Mm -hmm. with a guy friend of mine. He does amazing work too. It was healing to just be in a container where even though I wasn't directly talking about my experience all the time it somehow still was providing me like energy and support and it was like transforming my inner experience Mm. yeah Yeah, I I so resonate with that and being parts of spaces even if we're not directly sharing just being in like the collective nervous system of vulnerability and sharing and holding I'm so grateful like this is such a beautiful roadmap for people to understand the nuances and the courage of moving through like heartbreak and healing or like challenges and that we can do it differently in an empowering way where we alchemize the experience and actually become elevated version of ourselves. Yeah, I love that. Uh, And I would love to know how was it then when you met the next relationship like how was that to receive a different version of relationship for you and like what were the things that you're looking for now that were on your like non-negotiables and then how did your body respond like what came up for you I'd love to know this 
So I knew that internally I felt and knew, oh yeah, like I'm ready for someone. And I had a few different men who had been coming into my field over the course of some months. And one I thought I was interested in and I felt like we went on a few dates and I thought, oh, this could be him. It felt like it could be. And then I was starting to see, no, it wasn't. And I think what shifted, (laughs) my attention had been on this guy that I thought it could be. And then one day it dawned on me and I was like, oh, wow, the last month I was thinking it was person X. And then all the while I'm like, person Y has been in my field. And wow, I was kind of blind. I was kind of putting all my attention on this other guy. And this the guy that was the person Y in the scenario, I liked it because it was like a slow build, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all about the slow build. Yes, yeah. I love it. He wasn't trying to make us something. It was like his interest towards me was there, but it was like he was just kind of letting me decide. And so when I kind of had that epiphany one day and was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he's been right here all along. He's like, yeah, I'm here. Let's, you know, let's do this. And not like fast forward, let's do this. And like, let's start talking about marriage and kids. Like the last guy, it wasn't like that. It was more like, let's really get to know each other and take things slow. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear because I love that. And it was sort of the opposite to the guy before who was just like, you know, a couple of weeks in, like, I want you to meet my mom on Zoom and let's talk about getting married. And I was like, whoa, but wait, <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not ready. And like, yeah, it was like that love bombing. So this felt like the opposite and more my style. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just felt really good because it was measured and it was like not trying to make us conform into any one thing. I was like, let's just see what we naturally co-create with who, when we're being our authentic selves, who are we together? And one part of that was that we took physical intimacy off the table. So not only slow and like, we're not trying to make us get to a certain point. We also took that piece off and we had great chemistry that built. And there were times where it was like, it became kind of tempting, but we really held that for quite a long time. And I'm so grateful we did because it allowed these other parts of our connection and what's possible to really come out and shine. Say that we'd been in person and we were just being like, oh, let's go with whatever happens. And, you know, (laughs) we're just like end up in bed. No, that's great. But we wouldn't have had all that time and experience to really let those other like nuanced parts of ourselves come out. So it was like, wow, we really are seeing each other. And that felt really amazing. And it it was just like, we're two people, but each one of us has so many versions of ourselves. And each time we'd be together, it was like a different version of each of us would come out. So it was almost like, wow, we are like hundreds of relationships within one. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love the conscious step towards intimacy, as I feel like when we go into physical sexual intimacy too soon, we glaze over so many different, but like we go straight to a certain level of relationship. Then we're attached and then we're in a whole different situation. And it's like, we miss steps one to six of getting to know versions of them. Yeah. You put that so well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Well said. (laughs) 
and like sitting with each other because I've also done it with, with, with previous partners where I've had like really firm boundaries and like sort of almost a like gooey or delicious place of like wow we're really holding our boundaries right now and like wow. there's temptation and there's desire and there's urges and this is this is also delicious to be in that like yearning of what's possible without just going zero to a hundred exactly I love that space so much and it's a space that I've held before with past relationships but it felt really nice for it to be so mutually chosen and held and I was like oh my gosh there's so much pleasure in this because like even sexual feeling pleasure I noticed in our connection when we would just be sitting together I could feel yeah these sensations and these energies and it was orgasmic sometimes and I was like (laughs) it was hot and it was also cosmic and soulful and sweet it was just all of these flavors and I just felt like wow if we can feel this good just sitting down together chatting or sitting in silence or sitting in nature together then of course when we're doing something else more explicit it's going to feel amazing even better and that being very true (laughs) yeah attest to that this is like the way and like being with each other in the slowness the build and like the delicate nature of when you do venture more of those intimate things and how special it feels like oh my god you you have you're you're touching this part of it like it's just such a pure and also like you said deep and cosmic like can be transcendental because we're so present yeah sensations I love it I just recommend it it. it's delicious yeah yeah, I highly recommend it it's life-changing way to approach it Mm -hmm. I think I do hear when people recommend it a lot of times it's like especially recommended for women to like protect Mm -hmm. us and keep us safe and and for like yeah you know we're not skipping the steps and just going straight into forming an attachment bond I agree with all of that and the part we just spoke about, I think people don't always talk about the pleasure of yeah. the slowness and that actually it's like super sexy and like in a non-traditional way. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, we should probably like come up with a special word for it because it's so like, it's such a unique feeling, but yeah. like, nothing really can compare to that. I just, I'm, I want more people to feel that yeah it's so interesting because I'm trying to put like words on it but you can see I'm so animated it's like transformational once you have this experience then other forms of relationships well for me they're heading to attractive that I don't want to have that super fast intimacy because I'm like oh no thank you when I know the pleasure that can be felt with like sitting together and then Mm -hmm. becoming more in physical contact and like noticing that how it feels in the body and you know we spoke you spoke about women and like the pleasure and and also the pleasure of being held by men in this way like for me sometimes I hear a fear that men can come with is like well if I pause or I'm slow down like am I doing it right it's one of the hottest things for me is being held slowly by a man and him like guiding the pace and being slower than I want and like saying no and like if I've set my boundaries at a certain place and then I'm really turned on. I'm like, no, I want more. I want to change my boundaries. And he says, like, no, nope, you set your boundaries earlier. We'll check in another time. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the hottest thing you've ever said to me. Like, that's the yes. <laughs> It is. It is. And it's like, it's so hot as is. And it's such a good start, like such a good foundation. Because yeah. then when you build like that with someone, first of all, it's like trust, bonding. Yeah. Yeah. And 
then you have like, mm, it's like you, you've created this really like this trusting, respectful way of relating. And my experience is when you have those parameters and those kinds of like ways of like holding the boundaries together, you can get more expansive and experimental. There's a natural desire that come up for me and I found with him too, where we're like, ooh, let's also do this or that or open up to more things because the bond and the trust is there. And it's like, I know he's going to hold the boundary. He knows I will. So it's like mm-hmm. respect, mm-hmm. honoring each other and ourselves. It's such a good frame to have. Like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know what you mean? Like a foundational container. And yeah. like, what I'm hearing is like that, how it really builds safety and yeah. how that safety or like that trust, the bonding and the respect in these more intimate situations ripple out to the foundation of the whole relationship. Hearing what you said earlier about a previous partnership where like words don't mean actions. It's like mm-hmm. what an amazing place for when the urges are there or the desires there and we might want to break our words. It's like staying true to what we've said and like holding those boundaries in the aesthetics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It does feel really good when I know you mentioned this a moment ago, like when a man does this, because like I mentioned a moment ago too, I have done this with previous partners, but I was the one kind of leading it. Mm-hmm. And this was my first time where I felt maybe not my first time ever, but it was definitely like first time in recent history where I felt like a man was the one to say, mm-hmm. I want us to go slow. Yeah. That's what I want. And I was like, oh my God, that is music to my ears. I'm a full yes. You're my match. I'm so in. This is perfect. And it just felt like I was already met because I was getting that from him. And I don't think this was like a common thing for him. It was just like something that was alive for him in the moment. And I was like, okay, we're apparently it's all meant to be. Like we're a match right now. Let's let's do this together. And I'm so I'm like, it was such a gift to both of us to initiate that way and to hold that and move slowly through over some months that way. Mm-hmm. Delicious. I love it so much. Oh, this is so beautiful. I love this modeling and the sharing of how it, it can be done um, and all the joy and the pleasure and the deliciousness that, that can come from this. And it feels like this also can require like real conscious communication. What I'm hearing is like how you built deeper trust and you said the difficult things and you voiced your desires and fears and boundaries And I know from my own experience with you, this is something that you absolutely nail. Like you have this gift of saying the truth or like, yeah, your truth and in such a loving kind, but like firm way that comes with clarity. And so I'd love to know more about how others can do that. What recommendations you have for people to have these kind of conversations to create the relationship Mm -hmm. that we want? This is a great question. The first thing I'll say about it is that Using this relationship experience that I was just speaking about, I would clarify that he hadn't had any kind of like conscious communication or authentic relating training at all. So I know that he shared to me early on where he was like, I feel a little bit like not intimidated, but something like intimidated because he's like, Stephanie, you know, this is your work and you're so good at this. And I don't know if I'm like going to be as good as you. And I was like, oh, no, 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 like you have already been showing me. So the thing that I kind of want people to know is that you don't necessarily need formal training. It's like you just need some skills and you need the willingness to really do it, not just like learn about it in your head, but to actualize it and do it. 
And I'll say that one person can make the difference for two people. So the fact that I could take the lead and say the things that I'll speak to in a moment of like how I might frame something or how I might say, this is a good way for us to talk about this. He would pick it up naturally. It's not like I had to teach him and not put him in my student role or something. He could naturally pick it up. So one person can very much take the lead in one conversation and the next person can pick it up. And then your team players from there, you know, yeah. I just want people to know that, that it's okay if both of you aren't formally trained, you know, that's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. There are different tools and ways of bringing things up. I guess like if I'm going to put, just put it in like the simplest terms of what works based on what you were sharing, Madeline, is I will do like a little check-in with myself. So if I feel something come up for me, I do a check-in like, the level of importance this thing has with me. And then I also do a separate check-in of like, how important is it or could it be between me and this person or in our relationship? And depending on like that rating system, that's going to tell me like, do I need to bring it to this person? Or is this something I can just kind of sit with and work through on my own? So that's like where I start. If the ratings are high enough where I'm like, this matters to me and it could affect the other person or the relational field, I need to say something. That's when I make a point to set up a conversation. And what I recommend is like setting it up in advance where you might be like, hey, after a date tonight, I know we're going to go out to dinner, but like afterward, I would love if we could set aside a bit of time to have like kind of a, a private, like authentic talk. So like not at the restaurant, but back at your place. And, you know, it might just take 20 minutes, but there's something like on my heart and I would just really love to share it with you. I think it'd be good for us both. And what I love is, and you could, you know, say what you might need from him yeah. or want from him and then wait for his answer. And he might say, that sounds perfect. Like I would love to provide that. And I'm a yes. Or he might say, like, I'm open to talking to you, but I'm feeling kind of like nervous. Like, are you okay? And then he might need to hear a little bit more before he says yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great start is to kind of like warm it up and like take a baby step to setting it up Mm -hmm. and kind of easing into it. And then I say this a lot, too, because men can feel I work with mostly straight women. So they're dating men or in relationships with men. And a lot of times I've worked with tons of men as well. And this is like what I hear from a lot of straight couples is like the man can feel really shocked and bombarded if she just like kind of bombs him with like, we need to talk. Yeah. yeah. something I'm upset about. I've heard so many men say they get so flooded. It's almost like he can't even keep up with what she's saying. Yeah. And there's something like scrambling his brain and he's like, can't even track her experience and what she's saying. So That's why I say like, kind of give like a little heads up and like, Hey, I'm good. I'm not upset with you. We're cool. But I just want to like share something or, you know, maybe we could have a dialogue back and forth about this or whatever it is, get specific. Does he need to be in the listening role or is this a back and forth equal speaking, listening, like get clear ahead of time and then set it up. I'll pause there just to check in if this is making sense and like on the path of what you were (laughs) talking about. Um, because this is exactly it and I love you've picked up on this idea of also of like how men can respond because I've noticed that that men when they feel flooded 
when I've worked with it, then they can miss what their partner is saying. Yeah. And then it further perpetuates the problem because then I hear like, he never listens and they're like, oh, okay, wow. And so right. slowing it down. And I love this phrase that you've used, warming it, like warming it up, you know? Yeah. And and then also I'm hearing is like this consent focused. Yeah. Hey, are you open to this? So rather than the dumping or the bombarding, it's like, hey, when would it feel good for you to receive what I'm saying to you like what what would feel important to me to be heard so you can receive it and hear me yeah I think it's important to highlight that because I know for me many years ago as much as I would be more of like the one to listen and kind of hold the space there were times when I did share with a male partner and I know looking back that I actually dumped on him Mm -hmm. and he was okay with it because he was like oh I love when you share but at the same time Sometimes I did it when he wasn't ready and he couldn't really provide me with what I needed after. And I didn't even ask for what I needed. So now I've really learned, oh, I don't want to dump on someone. So I really do see and name the differences between men and women for the purpose of just trying to better the communication to better the relationship. So I love what you said about not like dumping and like, yeah, that's why it is consent based and, and like checking in right as you're going into the talk, like, oh, hey, I know we said we talk. Are you still open to that? Are you still available for that right now? And he might say, you know what? I'm so tired from work. I just can't tonight. And if you go, yeah, but you said you would, it's like, wait a minute, he's giving you a no and you're not honoring that no. And it's okay if you're upset that you're not getting what you want that moment, but at the same time, you want a yes. If you want to have a two-way constructive conscious conversation, so then you can, you know, say, okay, how about tomorrow? Or you can like pivot and like do it another time. They're not taking that personally. You yeah. know, like this is such an important piece of how can we let someone take care of themselves and not make it about us? Yeah. You know, and that appointment yeah. when when couples are like one's like, oh, I was tired, I couldn't do it then. It's like it becomes a rejection when it's like, no, how can we ourselves? And then I can best show up for you when I've done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important to note because I definitely see that. And it does tend to be more often. I I personally notice that more with women, but maybe that's just because I'm around more women, but I do see it more where she might be really offended that he said, no, he's actually, but the thing is, he's not rejecting her. He's just saying not right now because I don't have capacity. And he actually wants to show up for you, but in full capacity so he can provide what you actually want and need, like a listening ear or advice or whatever it might be. So it's really good to just give the benefit of the doubt to your person and just like, okay, they said they're tired. They're actually really tired. And now that's smart because, oh, he's actually looking out for us and me by not pushing through his tiredness until like maybe he gets flustered and he like snaps at me because he's crabby and tired. It's like, oh, he's actually showing his care right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what a reframe and way of looking at it. That's so important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Another piece I'll touch on because it's come up just a moment ago was, yeah, men can get more flooded and they might not be able to take in as much at a time. So what I've been doing with this partner is pausing and Sometimes it's only one minute in or sometimes it's two minutes in, but I'll just pause and be like, "Um, what are you getting from this? How are you hearing this? Mm -hmm. And he's like, do you want me to repeat it back to you? And I actually, because I did ask him a couple of times early on, like, would you be willing to like kind of rephrase what you just heard me say? Because I want to make sure I'm saying it and that you're getting it. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. 
And so he'll rephrase it in his own words, which is much shorter, but then it shows me like, oh, he is getting it. And then I'll say, yeah, you got it. And there's a little more. And then I'll continue and share a little further. And then he'll again go, oh yeah, okay, so you added da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. And then I'll just let him like sit with that for a minute. And this is another piece I've just kind of picked up <laughs> by working with men and women. It's not from authentic relating training, but I do think that men have like a different processing style and speed, generally speaking. So when I talk to a girlfriend, we will go like, it's like super speed, back and forth, back and forth. It's almost like, like we don't even have to use words. It's almost like telepathy and we're just getting it. But with my man, sometimes I pause, I breathe in between sentences. I talk a little slower. I check in with him, ask him to repeat. And then after I finish sharing, I will literally just sit in silence for a while. could be like 30 seconds, but it feels like 30 minutes. It's just like, you know, usually women aren't that silent together. We're just constantly talking. And I'll just let it land. And then after a few breaths, maybe like five or 10 breaths, I'll be like, so, you know, is that clicking for you? Do you feel like you understand? And he's like, I do understand. And then I'll ask more about like, do you understand though the feelings too? Like not just the words, but then I'll kind of move it towards my emotions because first it's like cognitively he understands it. And then I kind of direct into the emotionality because, you know, especially with this man, he is very intellectual. He's a thinker. He's a very masculine energy being. And so he's kind of in the logical headspace a lot. So I'll be the one to kind of move it to the emotional side and be like, yeah, do you understand what I meant when I said I felt blah, blah, blah. Can you imagine how that would feel? And then he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he might pause and kind of sit with that for a minute and kind of like look at me. And I just kind of like slowly let him in on that. And and sometimes also it's not just the words, but I think he does pick up a lot from when I show the emotion as I'm speaking. So he can pick up from that a lot. So <laughs> I just kind of give it space to land. and then. And then he lets me know he's feeling me or not, if he's not. (laughs) And we're honest about it. (laughs) Yeah. I love this. I feel like you're sharing around how to build a foundation where you can feel like heard and seen through communication. And you're taking responsibility for feeling heard or seen because you're being proactive around you know, the timing and phrasing questions and the pausing so that someone else can hear you Mm -hmm. rather than just thinking they should hear you because you say it. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Oh my gosh. It's so true. I do think a lot of times people, and maybe this is especially women, want you to just know. It's like, you should just know. You know me. You should just know what I want and how I feel. I gave you a hint, so you should know what that means. And I get it because I've definitely been in that position. I've definitely done that before. And at the same time, I also think to myself about how many times, especially in my past, I didn't feel seen and heard. Like a lot of my life, I wasn't seen and heard. And therefore, it was like, what's the point of even trying to express myself? No one cares. No one's really listening they're talking, but they're not listening. They're just like waiting to speak over me or they're totally disregarding my feelings. Mm -hmm. So it was like, as an adult being now, what can I do to take care of myself 
so that I can ensure that number one, I feel seen and heard. And number two, the person I'm speaking to actually does feel me and understand me as much as we can in this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm dedicated to that. And by being dedicated to that, I feel better. I feel freer and happier. And the relationship is like healthier, more trusting, and I guess you could say more successful in that way, because we're actually getting each other. We're not missing each other. Like we're actually getting each other and therefore connecting and getting to feel good in that connection. So yeah, I feel like this is like really important for sure. this was like such an important point around really getting each other because I feel like actually so many relationships are built on like subtle misattunements or being on separate pages and it can build up over time which is why I don't always feel like you know the longer the relationship the more successful it is I just I think that myth is outdated now you know and actually like how are you building these spaces where you can be held in partnership with someone and you understand each other's experience and build a team together. Yes. I love that about getting each other and like kind of giving that the credibility it deserves instead of just going, oh, they've been together for 50 years. So let's applaud them. It's like, oh, but what if they had a horrible relationship the whole time? And it was like abusive and they are so unhappy and it's unhealthy. Like we don't want to be applauding that. I actually just recently wrote a post that said something along the lines of like fuck relationship metrics because it's Oh my god, yeah, I like this post. (laughs) Thank you. It was just like these outside symbols of success in your relationship. But a lot of times it's not true. And I know we all know at least one person who like on Instagram looks like they're in a perfect marriage and they're so happy, but then we know the behind the scenes and we're like they scream at each other. They hate each other. They're always threatening divorce. They actually never wanted to get married. It's like, we know the true story behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be that. It's like, I want to break up all of these, yeah. uh, like the temptation and like the structures in our society of praising those kind of like vanity metrics and those symbols that actually aren't accurate reflections of healthy, wonderful love and relationship. So yeah, I think it is way better to just be like, are we actually getting each other instead of just being like, oh, well, he said he loves me and then he proposed. So we'll just keep going along with it. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, brilliant. I love this. I feel like it's creating this paradigm of what relationships can be and what they mean for us, especially in a collective piece where we're moving through a lot of collective awakenings and like things that we thought were real, like just a lot of collective pieces so redefining what does a successful relationship look like and feel like and so for anyone listening that perhaps has found themselves in a relationship and they've gone down the traditional routes and are maybe thinking like am I actually happy or they're single and they're thinking I want to build a successful relationship but I don't know what that looks like what metrics or signposts would you have them looking or feeling for mm, I would answer that in two parts so one part would be what signposts to look for that are currently there. And then the second part would be what signpost do you now want to choose? Mm -hmm. That's like becoming your new direction and your new goal Mm -hmm. that you're moving towards. I would say most people might already know the answer to the first one of like, what feels off within you or within your relationship? I think right away, people are already like, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. And you might have an idea of like, oh, it's like my my partner and I, we argue so much about blah, blah, blah. Like maybe there's a topic, but you could also feel into that and be like, 
yeah, inside my body, it feels like this nagging, irritating feeling, or it's like, oh, there's a pit in my stomach and I just feel like deflated and just like my heart is sinking when I think about it. So you can just track like the outer experience with your partner and how you feel and think about it. And then your inner experience of like what's happening in your body when you think of it. And you'll easily know like, yeah, that's not what I would choose for myself. That's not what I want for me or my relationship. And that's when you can choose your new signpost of like, okay, how would you like to feel? Okay, you want to feel within yourself. Maybe it's a sensation where it feels more like, I feel relaxed. I feel trusting. I feel like I can breathe deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling a sense of like warmth and love in my heart. When I think of my partner, I have this feeling of like, we're strong and we're good together. Even though sometimes we bicker, you know what? We're good. And like, maybe then it will start to show you, you'll get like little images or kind of like imaginary scenarios that pop in your head of what that might look like or feel like. Like you see the two of you going on long walks or just hugging together and spending one-on-one, you know, private quality time. Yeah, just something that you haven't done in a long time. And you'll start to maybe see it. And then it's like, okay, so what can you do now to take you from where you are now to where you actually want to be? And I love emphasizing not ditching your relationship and working on repairing it or bettering it or pivoting it Mm -hmm. because that's the thing like I have so many versions of myself that exist within me right now there's like a million Stephanie's that exist right now Mm -hmm. and my partner has a million versions of him so we could literally make the choice or even I can make the choice to pivot into a slightly different version of me and with a slightly different version of him And that can become my new reality today and Mm -hmm. tomorrow and the next day. And it's really just like making that inner choice and then like directing your energy and your focus there. Mm. I think the really big thing that helps, I mean, we can kind of break some of these down, Madeline, if you want, but I think a lot of times when someone's unhappy within themselves and in a relationship, we can focus so much on what we hate and what's wrong and what isn't working. And we can get into this mode. I think I especially see this in women where it's like we want to like fix it and we want to make it better and we want to change it. We might want him to change. Yeah. (laughs) We can get like stuck in that. And I feel that and I see that and I get it. But it's also really like opening to, okay, what do you want? And letting a lot of your energy go there every single day over and over. Okay. What do I want with my person? And what can I do within myself that gets me there and gets the relationship there? And those can be small things that can be like, today, I'm going to do a five minute self-love meditation. So I feel really loved up and nurtured and not so stressed out. Mm -hmm. And therefore I feel better. And also I'm bringing a better version of me to my partner when I get home. Mm -hmm. And then what I can do with my partner today is I can actually, you know, do what a moment ago we talked about of like check in with him instead of coming home and like unloading about how shitty my day was I can just say hey are you open to having a a conversation after you rested after work like have a break and then we can you know get together later and chat about our days because I actually want to hear about yours too and that can be like a slight shift you can make and those are like little things you can do and of course there are like bigger bolder moves but the thing is it's like those small things it's like (laughs) they make a huge difference you can do it right away. You know, it's like you can literally do those things right away and and then start feeling different within yourself and with your person. Same day. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so uh, empowering, I feel. And like this really allows people to have the self-responsibility for the relationships they're co-creating with people. And I remember when there was a big movement um, around like dump him and it was like hashtag dump him and memes around like dump, you know, and like, you know, and there can be this kind of collective movement to like when there's toxic masculinity and confusing that with men being toxic and then this idea of dump them instead of sitting with the relationship work that needs to happen and realizing that you've created the dynamic that you're in right now and therefore you have the power to change that or at least make steps to change it and see if it is malleable within the circumference circumference of what's possible exactly yeah well said again I love the way you put things it's so beautiful and it's so eloquent you have such a way with words (laughs) so good I was just going to speak to something you made me just think of it when you were talking about the whole dump him movement and toxic masculinity. I think it's so easy to label someone else and like label him and put it on him. Just the popularity and how commonly I'm seeing the word narcissist thrown at people. I'm like, oh, he's such a narcissist. I attract so many narcissists. And then it's like that makes it like an excuse to say everything's his fault and blame him and move on. Now, I'm not going to go into full detail on it because, of course, there are some people who are narcissists. Some men are. That's true. But there are probably a lot of men who've been labeled that and actually aren't that. So it's like, well, is it really helping you to label him and point a finger at him? I think it's better to maybe pause and really go, hmm, what's workable here? (laughs) Like, what am I liking is there enough here where I'm like, I think I can work with this and then he and I can work with this together? Or instead of just immediately being like, I'm hurt and it's just easier to blame him and say F off and dump him and move on and then be like hoping that it's different next time. And then when it isn't, just repeat the same thing over and over. Yeah, so true. And then this repeating narrative and that's where it's stereotyped around certain genders and I don't know what you found it people coming to your coaching practice, but I may have people that come and they've like taken identity or labels from Instagram posts or TikTok videos. And it's like, oh yeah, he was X. And it's like, oh, this is a very small snapshot. And it's like, can we identify the hurt that took place and unpack that for you? Because creating this board of all the different like snapshots and five things about a narcissist and fight like things isn't actually maybe supporting your healing and your empowering journey through this. Yes, that's so true. You really nailed it. I'm just thinking a lot of times when someone comes to me for their relationship or relationship coaching of some kind, she probably thinks, not always, but I've noticed some women will think like, we're going to talk a lot about her man and the problems of the relationship And something that really surprises some women is that way more of our focus and our time in sessions is spent on her. And it's actually giving her my full attention and her own full attention. And we're talking a lot less about him and really turning it back on to like giving her her own energy instead of being like outwardly, like looking at him and trying to diagnose what he could be and making it so much about what's outside of her, like this other person. And it's like, okay, but what do you really need? And what can we work with within you? And I just think that's so important, especially because I do think at least a lot of people I have worked with have been conditioned to maybe they have a codependent background and they've been conditioned to be people pleasers, which is something I also can identify with from my past. 
it's like we're instilled with this frame to always be thinking of the other person and like all of our energy is on them all the time, them or the relationship and very little is on, wait, how do I actually feel? And like, what is my part in this? And like my responsibility and where's my ownership? So I think it's just so healing actually, especially with people with that background to go, wait a minute. I'm going to give myself my own energy and like, I'm going to receive here. I'm going to get to talk about me and my stuff that has nothing to even do with him. Sometimes it might, and sometimes it could be totally something else. And how big of a gift that ends up being for that person who may have never had that in their life before. And then when they start to change, and this is something I can relate to a little bit with my past experience with kind of like the relationship I mentioned earlier It's like when someone starts to give themselves more and more of their own wonderful attention and like care and love and nurturing, they will start to attract different behaviors and or different people. So they won't be attracting as much of a taker because, you know, and it could even be the same person who you're interacting with, but they're not trying to take from you. Because you're doing your part to really be like, hmm, I'm giving myself my own energy and I'm holding that and I'm holding my boundaries and I'm not taking on more of other people's stuff than I should. And because you're not doing that, you're not doing that. And so you're not playing that out with that person, that narcissist, quote unquote, or someone else anymore. You're not playing that game anymore. You're like, oh, I'm playing a new game here. I'm playing a game where I give myself what I want and I feel really great. And therefore attract better things for myself, better relational behaviors come through from my partner or better like qualified men come towards me because I'm not attracting a guy who's just trying to suck me dry. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, this makes total sense. And just really like this, you know, we talked about manifestation before, like personally, but how this changing the outside in, you know, like Mm -hmm. really... And then everything around us changes because we are changing how we relate to ourselves. So therefore our external relationships change as well. Yeah, a million percent. I love that you brought up manifestation because I'm, I know, you know, I'm like so into it. And it's true. It's like all of the changes have to come from within you, every single one of them. And I mean, even from what I've shared about my personal experience here with you today, it's like I shifted on the inside and that's why. I attracted different men and got into a very different kind of relationship. One that is so fulfilling, fun, pleasurable, healthier, definitely than my previous partner or ones before it. And it happened because I changed me and not from a place of like, oh, I'm like whipping myself into shape or self-abuse and like, I am so horrible. I need to change. It was very much the opposite. It's like, I'm going to show myself some care and love here. And that's going to naturally shift some things on the inside in a beautiful, harmonious way, healthier way. And when that shifts inside, yeah, it's definitely going to start looking different outwardly. And it does. It really is like, I know manifestation can seem so magical and maybe woo-woo to people, but honestly, that is just how this world works. It's like you have a thought or an idea or something going on within you first, and then it manifests outwardly with someone or something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is it. Oh my gosh. 
Okay. Uh, I it's because we have spoken so much today, and and there's so much I want to talk about, and we're, <laughs> we're at time. But I would love to finish with a question. If do you have time for this this question? Thank you. So it's because I asked you, like, what do you wish you were asked more often? And you said, what do you really value and think about a lot? So I would love to know what that is for you. (laughs) Well, the reason I said I would love to be asked that question more, it's not just because I would love to be asked it more, but I would just love if people asked each other that question more, too, because I know... Even in in, um, groups I've led where I've asked people to answer that amongst a small group in the room or even the whole group together, it just blows my mind what comes from it. When people reveal what they really care about or what they're passionate about, it's just like they become so alive, that person becomes so alive, and then there's just like this, I don't know, some kind of firework system going off in the whole room. It's like everyone gets to benefit from that person sharing it. And the other thing I would see happen a lot is another person or other people in the room are like, oh my gosh, I love what you just said. And I feel resonance. Let's talk more. And like, oh, let's collaborate or co-create. And I just love to see that happen and like expand. If I'm answering the question, can you ask me one more time? Yeah, I can. And just piggybacking on that reflection of your experience, having been in spaces where you've asked that, that question and and really testifying to that, the collective nervous system changes. It's like, wow, everyone's excited and elated. And it reminds me of like this idea of what if we bonded over these things instead of like the doom and gloom of the news or the suffering or like colluding over gossip and pulling people down, like how we can actually shift the collective and change the world through the questions that we ask each other. Exactly. That's exactly why it's like, even me being home right now, I'm around, um, you know, different people than I normally am. Cause I, you know, I'm back in the States right now. And a lot of people will like bring up politics or certain like things that are in the news right now. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to kind of pivot this conversation and start talking about things that we really value. And I'll, I'll just straight up ask the person like, but something that like makes you excited or like, what are you passionate about? Or like, what do you really value and stand for? And then I just feel like, oh, it just switches the tone of the conversation. And then I feel like I'm like really getting a deep insight into who this person is and I'm getting to feel them and they love speaking about what they're talking about. And it's just like, oh, this feels so much better. So it's like, hmm, yes, please, more of that. <laughs> Yes, 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 I love this. Okay, so the question is, yeah, what do you really value and think about a lot? Honestly, like what we've spoken about today is something that I really value. That's why I do this for my work. That's why I talk about this and share about it and post about it and offer programs about this because I really personally care about it and I care about people. I care about community. I care about like, the health of relationships for people. I literally believe that caring about that and improving our relationships with each other can heal the entire world. Like I really feel that and believe that. And I want that for people. That's like, you know, at New Year's, a lot of times it's like, oh, people will talk about a desire or like a wish for world peace. And my version of that, where it's like, the part where I, I know we can actually contribute toward world peace is through this kind of work, is through how can I help people express themselves and feel more authentically them 
and being received as who they are while being open to doing the same for someone else and with multiple other people. And what if we're all doing that together? Wouldn't that naturally just feel freer and more harmonious and healthier for everyone? That is what I want. That is what I care about and what I want to see more of in the world. Mm, yeah, I love how you're contributing this and you're taking these steps to create the world that you really want to see. This feels like <laughs> a special and powerful moment for us to end with today. And I'm so grateful to end with this vision and really believing this because as we've felt in our communities, the power of when we do the work and come together and have these conversations and the different communities that form from that and how that can spread to the collective on a, on a greater level thanks to this work yeah definitely because we're all just a bunch of communities around the world that make up the world so yeah. we can do it at this level at your community level and just keep doing that then it's like everyone gets to do that and we're all capable of doing it too that's the thing you know each person can learn to do this the skills that I'm talking about or the practices I'm talking about are are innate within humans it just takes a little like reconditioning or a little practicing but every single person can do it mm-hmm. or we can modify it to meet someone where they're at and include them in the way they need to be included. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for today. I'm so grateful for your vulnerability, like your insights, you're sharing your wisdom and all the different tools that you've collated over decades, like you said, of learning, growing and healing. So thank you so, so much. It's yeah, such a gift to us and, and this community. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a total pleasure. I love this time just flew by. I love speaking with you. I love talking about all of this. I'm like, where did the time go? I'm like, I could just keep going for two more hours. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me and co-creating this community together. I am so grateful you are here. 